0: David was in the second grade. He was boarding the bus to go to school when he slipped on the step and skinned his knee. When he got to school that day, he was running through the hall, ran into another little boy, and loosened two of his teeth. And then at recess time, he went outside to swing, and when he was on the swing, he fell off and sprained his ankle. He was crying. The teacher saw him, so she came out to check on him. And between sobs, he looked down and saw a shiny new quarter on the ground. He reached reached down and picked it up and looked at his teacher with tears coursing down his cheeks and a grin began to form on his face. And he says, boy, is this my lucky day. (laughs) How do you view life? Do you see the thorns or do you see the roses? There are some people who only see the thorns in life. No matter what the weather is, it's wrong. If it's, if it's raining outside, then I can't go outside. If the sun is shining, then it's too hot for me to go outside. So no matter what the weather is, it's wrong. There are some people who only see the obstacles in life. They seldom see the opportunities. And there are some who even see their spouse and the bad things they do because that's where they focus. One of my favorite stories, I've told it before, but I enjoy it so much I'm going to tell it again. There was an old fella. he was on his deathbed, about to go be with the Lord. His wife was seated by his side, holding his hand, stroking his arm. And as he lay there, he looked at her and he says, Martha, you've been with me most of my life. He said, you've just always been by my side, haven't you? And she nodded affirmatively and continued to stroke his arm. He thought for a while and he said, Martha, you, you remember that year when when we had the bad hail storm and it destroyed all of our crops and what a tough year that was, she said, I remember. He said, But you were right there by my side, weren't you? Yes, I was. He thought for a little while longer and he said Martha, do you remember that time when we had the lightning storm and it hit our barn and burned it down? You were right by my side, weren't you? Martha, do you remember that year when we had the tornado and it hit our house and tore off the roof? But you were right there by my side, weren't you? Yes. Martha, I'm beginning to think you're bad luck. There are some people who only see the thorns in life. Jeremy Taylor, 17th century preacher, said, He that has so many causes of joy is very much in love with sorrow and peevishness, who leaves all these pleasures and chooses to sit down upon his little handful of thorns. Do you see the thorns in life or do you see the roses? Now, the Apostle Paul was someone, it seems, who was always able to see beyond the thorns to see the roses. When he became a follower of Christ, he lost everything. He lost his position. He lost his influence. He lost everything. But Paul says, but that's okay because it's all garbage when it's compared to knowing Jesus. Later, Paul was being taken by ship to a Roman prison. There was a storm that came up and the sailors were were about to panic. and, And right in the midst of it all, while the sailors were about to panic because the winds were raging against their little ship, Paul paused to thank God for his food. He was always able to see the positive things in life. In fact, when he was about to be executed, rather than seeing the sword, he saw the crown. And he says, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me at that day. Do you see the thorns in life? Or do you see the roses? Today I want to speak to you on the subject, give thanks. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 12, as we look at the Apostle's letter. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work, Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Neil Strait wrote, He who forgets the language of gratitude can never be on speaking terms with happiness. Folks, I have seen that to be true. Have you not? Those who are not grateful are never happy. And we have so many reasons to be grateful. Linda and I walk our dogs every morning, about the time the sun is beginning to get light enough for us to walk the dogs. And so we walk the dogs as we do. We talk to each other. We talk to the dogs. We talk to the Lord. We talk to, we talk to everybody. So we were out last week, and we're walking the dogs early in the morning, and such a beautiful day. I mean, the sun is just beginning to come up, and it's hitting the tops of the trees, and just a gorgeous day. And as we're walking along, I just said, Jesus, thank you for a beautiful day. And Linda said, Jesus, thank you for a wonderful life. There's so much for which we should be thankful. Folks, our hearts ought to be, as the children of God, filled with gratitude. And so let me give you reasons today to be thankful. First of all, give thanks for God's love. You see, God's love is unlike the love of the world because the world's love is always conditional. If the team wins the game, then we love the team. If they don't win the game, we don't love the team. But it's always conditional. It is based on if. If you do what I want you to do, then I love you. If you agree with me, then I love you. If you agree with my doctrinal positions, if you agree with my politics, if you agree with my form of worship, then I love you, but it is contingent upon if or because. I love you because you do what I want you to do. Or it is conditioned by when. When you do what I want you to do or what I've told you to do, then I'm going to love you, but God loves unconditionally and how strange that is in our society because we are not deserving of God's love you see we rebelled against his law that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when the Lord put Adam and Eve there and said now don't eat of this one tree and they rebelled against the authority of God to tell them what to do and we continue to rebel against God today don't we we know what God's Word says, but we rebel against it. That's the reason the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. So we've rebelled against the law of God, and we've rejected the love of God. And that has always been true in our response to Christ. Even at his birth, you know the story when his parents came to the inn there in Bethlehem and were turned away because there was no room for them in the inn. So, from the very beginning, he has been rejected, he has been pushed aside. In his ministry, his hometown had difficulty figuring him out, and they heard about the miracles that he had performed and the messages that he had shared, the teachings that he had given. They didn't understand it and so they dismissed it by saying, isn't that Joseph's boy? Isn't that the carpenter's son? And so they simply dismissed him, thereby rejecting him, even at his death. When Jesus died on the cross, there was only one disciple that came to the cross and that was John. The rest were running and fearing about their own lives and so they didn't come Today, man continues to reject his love's mystery to me. But man continues to reject his love, and, and yet God just keeps on loving us. Isn't that amazing? He just keeps on loving us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Did you notice that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, so He loves us unconditionally. He had reason not to love the disciples, for instance. Peter denied Him, Judas betrayed Him, Thomas doubted Him, Demas left Him. You look at the disciples and say, man, I don't know why He would love them, but He did. He just kept on loving the disciples. Love Zacchaeus. Society rejected Zacchaeus. You know the story. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In fact, he might have been the one who came up with a tax on Botox. I don't know about that for sure. But he was a tax collector. And so society then rejected him. They would have nothing to do with the publicans or the tax collectors, but Jesus loved him. one day, he climbed up in a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus came by and saw him, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going home with you today. He just loved him. He loved the prostitute. The religious leaders were ready to, to stone her to death. They said, Moses in his law says, stone her. Now, what do you say? And Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He just loved her. It's amazing to me how God loves people. Those that are not lovely, as we would think of, the Roman soldiers, they... They spat upon Him, they plucked His beard, they put the crown of thorns upon His brow, they nailed Him to the cross, but Jesus loved them. In fact, He prayed for them, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And He loves us unconditionally. Friend, that's so important for you to understand, that He loves you unconditionally. Because sometimes we think that we earn God's love, we do not. He loves you, period. Because His love is unconditional. He loves you in your sins. He doesn't wait for you to shape up before He loves you. He loves you right now. Right now. He loves us in our sin. He loves us in our doubt. And the truth is, there are those times when we doubt, when we struggle. And He loves us anyway. He loves us in our unworthiness. My friend, at this time of year, especially when we emphasize Thanksgiving, we ought to give thanks because He loves us. Because He loves us. And then we give thanks for His power because He has the power to change us. You know, from our earliest days, we've always wanted to be better, haven't we? We, we would like to. We would like to be different. We'd like to be better. I think that even goes again back to the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord, disobeyed the Lord. Then the first thing they did was to cover themselves with fig leaves because they recognized that they were naked. And so they wanted to make themselves right with God. And so that was their attempt then to make themselves right with Him because they wanted to to, to be better. They wanted to be right. And you and I are the same way. I want to be better. I want to be right with God. And yet I don't have the power to change myself, and how frustrating that is. It was for the Apostle Paul, and if you read through Romans chapter 7 there, he shares with us that struggle that goes on within his own life. And he said, I I don't do what I want to do. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse number 15, now listen carefully to this verse, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Is that ever your testimony? Is that ever where you find yourself? I find myself doing the very thing I hate. Paul goes on in his struggle and he says, I don't do what I want to do. In Romans chapter 7, verse 19, he said, For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. So when Paul is speaking about his own desire to be right with God, he says, those things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Those things I want to do, I don't do. And so then out of desperation, he cries out, Wretched man! that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And ladies and gentlemen, that is the reason that we have reason to give thanks, because the Lord has power to change our lives and to make us right. Paul asked the question, who will set me free from this body of death? And maybe that is your cry this morning. Who will set me free? Who will deliver me? Who will change my life? Paul followed that verse by saying, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, the struggle that I have. I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. Who will set me free from this body of death? And then Paul says, Oh, I thank God that through Jesus Christ I'm changed. That through God's power I am changed. You see, He has the power to change us. The disciples, Lord changed them. In fact, I remember years ago, I was writing a sermon about... It was Easter, and so I was writing a sermon concerning the resurrection. And so I, I wanted to go to a secular source to see what they said about it. And one of the encyclopedias that I went to said that the change that took place in the life of the disciples was possibly even a greater miracle than the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I thought, what a testimony! That was from a secular source, not a commentary. That the Lord changed them; that their lives had been changed. Jesus changed the the adulteress, a woman who had had many different husbands, and then was living with a man who wasn't her husband at the time she met Jesus. And you know the story. She went to ever she went to the to the people in town and told them about Jesus. She became a witness of Christ. He had changed her. The demoniac of Gadara. He had been chained by the people because they saw him as being dangerous. And then he met Jesus, and the Bible says that Jesus changed him. And when the townspeople came out to see him, the Scripture says that he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. The Lord had changed him. He changed the Apostle Paul, and he went from persecuting the church to preaching the gospel and ladies and gentlemen, He has the power to change you. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, the new things have come. You see, we give thanks because He has power to change us. Now, please understand something. Being a member of a Baptist church will not change you. Being a member of any other church will not change you. Going through the baptistry, that will get you wet, but it won't change you. Only Jesus has the power to change. And when Jesus is in our hearts... When we allow Him to be the Lord of our life, then our lives are changed. And one of the reasons we see people who say that they are Christians and there is no difference in their life is because many of them only joined a church or got wet, but they did not have their hearts changed because only Jesus changes us. You see, we give thanks because He has the power to change us that we don't have to live the way that we are living. He has the power to change us. And then we give thanks for His presence. He doesn't abandon us. I know the deist belief was that, that God created this world and wound it up like a clock and put it in orbit and then God withdrew from it because He was uninvolved and uninterested in it. He has no involvement with mankind, but that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that He is present with us. If you were a child of God, folks, He has promised that He would never leave you. I know some of you are facing some physical issues. You've been to the doctor and the news has not been good. And you're struggling with it and through it. But the Lord has promised to be with you that He wouldn't leave you. There are some of you who are struggling with relationships. Maybe it's a a spousal relationship or perhaps it's parent-child relationship or some other relationship. And it's a real struggle for you. I want to say to you today that as a child of God, He's with you in that. He hasn't abandoned you. There are some of you who are frustrated because of your schedule. You, you simply can't get everything done. And, and it seems that you are frustrated and all those around you are frustrated. And you're running over here and running over there. And you're trying to get this done and trying to get that done. Sometimes you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing. It's, you're, just, you're just going all the time trying to satisfy everyone. And you can't do it. Let me say to you, the Lord's with you. The Lord will be with you in that. Some of you are honestly struggling spiritually, and He's promised to be there. See, we give thanks because He has promised to be with us, His presence. That's what He said. I will never leave you. He has promised His presence. We can give thanks because He has promised His provision. No matter what we're facing, God provides for us. Now, truth is we can look back in the past and we say, you know, God was with us back then. Maybe as a family or an individual, God was with me back then. And I had this need and the Lord was with me. We look back as a nation and we say that God was with us back then. We look to the God. God was with us. And we refer to those as the the good old days and, and, and say those were better days. And in some respects, they were. but what about today? Well, God's with us today too. He provides today also. To be candid with you, there are a lot of things that trouble me in our society today, and I I look at the moral conditions of our society. I look at the religious and the spiritual condition of our society, and I I get concerned when I I believe that, that Oprah has a greater spiritual impact in our society than the churches do. And I look at all those things. I look at some governmental policies that are taking place and so forth. And those things trouble me. Where are we going? How are we going to end up? What's going to happen? But you know where my encouragement has been? I get discouraged sometimes when I look at the government, I look at all of these things, I get discouraged. But when I look at these young people, when I see these college students, and I talk with some of them, and I sense the depth, the hunger that is within them, I am encouraged. Because I believe that God has brought you young people to a very difficult time to claim this time for Jesus. I believe that God has brought you to this hour to make an impact in our world for Jesus. You can do that. And that really and truly is where my encouragement is. I was talking with a young lady who was a waitress at a restaurant this past week. And she said, I'm concerned about the future. And she asked me, and I said, well, the, the thing that encourages me is you. Young people today, that's what encourages me. Folks, I, I was not as committed as a young person to Christ as I see in a lot of these young people today. And that encourages me because they really, they are not buying into a lot of the nonsense that I bought into. They are far more serious in their commitment to the Lord than I was at their age, and I am encouraged as a result of it. God, I believe, provides for today, and He has raised you up at this time. He has brought you at this time to make a difference in our world. And God provides for us not only today, but He provides for us abundantly. Jesus said in John 10, 10 I came that they might have life and might have it, Abundantly. Consider the life that God has given to us. First of all, He's given us a self to live with. You've been created by God, which means you're unique. You've been created for God, which means that you have purpose. So He has given us a self to live with, He's given us a work to live for. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul wrote, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Folks, God has a work for you. When Albert Allen was back a couple of weeks ago, I was so impressed and so blessed by as I listened to him speak about the work that God had given to him and what is happening there. But did you know that God has a work for you? He has a work for you. See, sometimes we get to thinking the only people who are called to their position is the pastor or or Steve or a staff member, that they are the only ones who are called. No, He calls all of His believers. I, I believe that as a teacher you ought to feel that I have been called by God to this position. As a business person, I have been called by God to this position because God has a work for us. And we work with Him and for Him. And then He gives us a faith to live by. I'd read the story of a a secretary in Britain. It was lunchtime. So she went out on the ledge of the building where she worked and sat there on the ledge The people inside were concerned about her, and they tried to talk her in. They could not. They called for a pastor of a local church to come and talk with her, and he came over and talked with her. And he told her about, you know, tried to get her to come in and told her that life is worth living and all of those things. And she sat there, and she listened, and then she jumped because she could find no reason to go on living. Folks, sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we, we feel like throwing up our hands and quitting. Let me say to you that the Lord Jesus gives us faith to live by. He gives us hope for the future. Don't you despair. Don't ever despair. As long as God is on His throne, then you and I have reason for hope. As long as God is in control, then you and I put our faith in Him. Give thanks that He provides for your needs. Abundantly. So, we give thanks. Why? Because God loves us unconditionally. No matter who you are, what you've done, where you came from, any of that. doesn't make any difference. God loves you. He just loves you. God has the power to change you. If you need to be changed, God can change you. He has that power. We give thanks because He promises His presence. He has promised never to leave you. And God provides for our every need. To me, this is a wonderful time to be alive. Challenging, yes, but a wonderful time to be alive. Because our God is sufficient for every situation in which we find ourselves. So give thanks. Our Father and God, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank You for Your great love that we do not understand, we do not deserve, but thank You. And Lord, I would lift to You today, these who need to come to know You as Savior, that they might, in Jesus' name, Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand, the choir is going to sing, and we extend an invitation for You to trust the Lord, to join the church. Whatever God's speaking to your heart about, I encourage you to come. I'll greet you when you do. Stand with me, please, as we stand, they sing, you come you mm-hmm.